This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. It's overtime on the fan. Appreciate the rooster for joining us. And even pulling over. Wow. I feel privileged. Dude, stop from going in the tunnel. If you missed that, you can always rewind on the Odyssey app. We're going to get into some Nationals talk coming up in just about a half an hour. But I want to continue the discussion here. We we talked about trading down the other day. I'm not going to spend as much time on that. I do want to talk about this idea that I brought up with the rooster. Because I truly believe it. That any one of these guys, whether it's Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, take your pick. I think that each one has their strengths. I think each one has loads and loads of talent. The talent to be a possible Pro Bowl, even All-Pro quarterback. I think all of them have that level of talent. They all have their flaws. That's pretty obvious. That's what we spend so much time talking about, whether it's Caleb Williams and looking at his inability to play in structure at times, whether you want to look at the -the off-the-field stuff, whether you want to talk about him coming back to D.C. and you're worried about the hometown kid coming back home. We can talk about all that with Caleb Williams. Drake May, you can look at the weaknesses and see the inaccuracy at times, the footwork, sometimes not taking the layups, trying to always hit the big play. You can look at Jaden Daniels, and you can talk about some of his inaccuracies. You can talk about whether he's just a one-read-and-run type of guy, where was the production before this past season. You can talk about all these things. But I think when you look at the strengths of all of these guys, and when you go back to what each and every one of the coaches have said, the coordinators, the head coach, Dan Quinn, Cliff Kingsbury, Joe Witt Jr., they're all unified in this. Now they have to put it into practice, but they've all said that they want to focus on the strengths of a player and build to make sure that they are utilizing those players to the best of their ability and utilizing their unique talents to the best of their ability. So what does that mean if you're drafting a quarterback? If I draft a quarterback and he's not as good in structure or just in the pocket, then maybe I'm going to move the pocket. Maybe I'm going to do some different things. Not to say I'm not going to try to develop him in that that weakness. Not to say that I'm not going to try to help him get better. But I'm not going to put him in bad spots. If this guy struggles with 10-yard throws, I'm not going to run 10-yard routes as much. I'm going to throw the underneath stuff. I'm going to throw stuff down the field. You can structure offenses to help these guys out. And the idea that I've brought up is it doesn't matter which one of the three guys you take. 
I think that any of them can be a stud quarterback. It comes down to development. And this is something that I've brought up plenty of times, but I haven't talked about the coaching staff because it does worry me a bit when you look at Cliff Kingsbury and you see some of his success, but you also see his failures. Is he going to be able to adapt? He's talked about as a quarterback whisperer, but is it more happenstance? Just because it's correlation doesn't mean causation, right? Just because he was at all these stops with these quarterbacks doesn't mean that all the quarterbacks are great because of Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe he was. Maybe it is the case. Maybe he is a big reason. I'm a little skeptical about the Cliff Kingsbury hire. I'm a little skeptical about it. So can he develop a Caleb Williams, who he spent time with at USC? Can he develop a Drake May or a Jaden Daniels? I'm not 100% sold. I like the fact that it's not all on Cliff Kingsbury. I like the fact that Cliff is going to be in charge of the whole offense, so he can't just spend every waking moment with the quarterback. So even though he might be the quarterback whisperer, he isn't going to be able to be with the quarterback every second of every day. That's why you bring in a Brian Johnson as a pass game coordinator, as a associate head coach, and that's why you keep DeVita Pritchard, one of the top guys that was sought after as a quarterback coach last year. So I like what they have in those two guys. I guess I like what you have in sort of the development with Kingsbury, just some of the track record he has with working with guys. Again, I don't know how much it's him. And I'm not trying to sound like a hater here. I'm just not as sold on the Kingsbury offense. But either way, if they're going to build this thing so that they can build around the players that they have, hopefully these guys can be successful. And that's what I think is so important here is we get one of these guys because I know some people, when they say trade down, aren't saying pass on quarterback altogether. Some people are talking trade down and thinking, all right, Bo Nix, okay, Michael Penix Jr., maybe J.J. McCarthy. And when you hear some of the player comps, again, when player comps are thrown out, I, I don't love them because immediately you put that exact player and think of that exact player when in reality, they're never going to be their guy. J.J. McCarthy was compared to Alex Smith. He's never going to be Alex Smith. He's going to be the best version of J.J. McCarthy. There's going to be strengths and weaknesses. They're going to be different. You know, Caleb Williams is getting compared to Patrick Mahomes. Excuse me, you're comparing Caleb Williams to a top three quarterback of all time already. <laughs> so that is some lofty expectations to throw on a guy, and you almost give him no chance but to underachieve. But... When you look at the play styles and make the player comps and the abilities that they have, not saying they're as good as them, but saying the abilities that they have, you hear Jaden Daniels. What do you hear? Lamar Jackson. You hear uh, Caleb Williams, like we just talked about, Patrick Mahomes. You hear Drake May. What do you hear? Justin Herbert, maybe Josh Allen. When you hear these other guys, I I haven't heard as many player comps, but to me, Michael Penix Jr., Tua. He's a top-five pick, but I don't think two is a difference maker at the quarterback position unless he has the studs around him like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. So I'm not as thrilled about Michael Penix Jr. What's Bo Nix? Uh, maybe uh, a Kirk Cousins type? Something around there? And Kirk is fine. We love Kirk. But is Kirk a difference maker at the quarterback position like the other dudes we just talked about, I don't know that he is. When you hear J.J. McCarthy and Daniel Jeremiah, like I said, gave a comp of Alex Smith, you've seen Alex Smith here. And even when he was 
you know, competing and almost at an MVP level with the Kansas City Chiefs. I just don't know if he's the difference maker of the guys we just talked about either. So it's fine to think that you can trade back and get a quarterback still, and that's if that's your plan, again, you're entitled to your opinion. But I don't want Adam Peters to sit here and look and say, you know what I can do? I can end up with one of these quarterbacks. They might not be as good, but it's okay. I can end up with more stuff. It's about quality in the NFL draft when you are drafting number two overall over quantity. You might be able to build up more of the offensive line and add an extra edge rusher and find another corner and maybe get a tight end and maybe add another receiver. You might be able to do all that stuff. Would you not trade all that stuff to get an elite quarterback? Like, right now, what would you give up on the commander's roster to get Josh Allen? You'd give up everybody on the team. (laughs) Anybody that's on the team right now would be on the market for Josh Allen. If that's what people think these quarterbacks can be, why would you pass on that and just say, you know what, I'll settle for Kirk Cousins? I have nothing against these guys. I like some of these second-tier guys. As a matter of fact, I think if a J.J. McCarthy, even though I'm not a huge fan of his, I think if you put J.J. McCarthy in the right place where he can wait for a year and he can go to a team that's a little farther along, I think he can be a solid quarterback. Is he a difference-maker quarterback? I don't think so. But he doesn't have to be if you put him in the right spot. Bo Nix. I think if you put Bo Nix in the right spot, he doesn't even have to sit a year. I think he can play right away, and I think he can be a solid quarterback. I'm not looking for a solid quarterback. I'm sorry, I'm not. Drafting for solid players isn't what you do at number two overall. You try to swing and hit the ball out of the ballpark, and you're not getting you know, just a guy that's a borderline pro bowler. You're looking to get a Super Bowl contending quarterback that's a first or second team All-Pro all the time, where when you walk into the stadium, they show your quarterback, and the people on TV talk about how, you know what, it's all going to boil down to this guy is going to win the game for them today. Did we not hear that the entire playoff run for the Kansas City Chiefs? They walk into the stadium, and you hear all the different analysis, and then it comes down to, well, it's going to come down to quarterback, and when it comes down to it, I'm going to trust Patrick Mahomes. That's what you heard in the Super Bowl, right? And this is my thing. If you want to go with one of these other guys, that's fine. Because Brock Purdy made it to a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo's been to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl. But you have to look around you and figure out what these teams have that allowed them to get there. What happened when the Rams got to the Super Bowl? They had one of the best defenses. They had the best running back at the le- in the league. Awesome. Look what happened when they had Matthew Stafford. They could finally get over the hump, and they didn't have to have everything perfectly in place. And Matthew Stafford overcame some things. They're looking to upgrade the quarterback position. Look what happened with the San Francisco 49ers when they went with Garoppolo. Great tight end, great defense, great tackle, great players all over the place. Same thing this past year where they went and lost to the Chiefs again. Great tight end, best running back in the league, Two great weapons at receiver, one of the best defenses in the league, best left tackle. Awesome. You know how many more players you need in support when you don't have the quarterback to elevate? And I like Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy is slept on. I don't think Brock Purdy is a difference maker compared to other guys. I think Brock Purdy does exactly what he's asked, and I think that is fine because 
they have the weapons to make it work. But if you have a quarterback that can go above and beyond that, it's even better because you don't have to hit on everything. How many first-round picks? Receiver. Sky Moore didn't work out for the Chiefs. It's all right. They made it work. They found a way. They still have Travis Kelsey. I get it. They found a way with Rasheed Rice. I'm not saying either that if you draft one of these elite quarterbacks, you don't need to fill out the roster. Because you do. Because I think one thing that's talked about, and I think I'm sure people assume when I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes, I think people are like, well, he just thinks Patrick wanted himself. No. This is the best defense he's ever had. They were one of the best defenses in the National Football League. He didn't get there by himself. Heck, they wouldn't have made the playoffs if it weren't for their defense. So I understand that you can't just have the quarterback and have him run the show by himself. But it covers up so many more mistakes when you have a quarterback that is a true difference maker than when you have a guy who's just kind of there. It doesn't necessarily hurt you. It doesn't necessarily help you. I don't want that guy. Those guys are available in this draft, and they're kind of those tier two, tier three guys that you can get back half of the first round. Maybe you can get one in the second round. You can have one of those guys, and that's fine. If you're going to do that, I'd almost rather run with Sam Howell. And that's not an option for me. I want one of these guys that's in that top three that personally, I don't know what their evaluation is, but personally, I have them as difference maker type quarterbacks, whether it's Jaden, Caleb, or Drake. Like Every one of those guys is a difference maker at quarterback. And you can look at their college tape and you can find flaws. You can absolutely find flaws with every single one of them, and you might think they're fatal flaws. They might be. But I'm taking I He can be the difference maker that I think he can be, and Cliff Kingsbury and his staff can develop them to the point that these weaknesses are no longer fatal flaws, and those strengths that we saw in college are amplified even more, and they become the stud that a lot of people have talked these guys up to be. They don't, aren't, they're not going to win the Super Bowl next year. I was discussing this with people on Twitter today, and someone said, well, I don't need them to compete next year. I want to compete in two, three years, so let's build the team up. My thing is, you might build the team up two to three years, so say you're looking at a timeline now of not 2024, not 2025, but 2026. When are you taking the quarterback? Because what happens when you draft the quarterback, but he still needs a year? So now you're into 2027. Why wouldn't you go ahead and get the quarterback? You're sitting in the spot. I've laid it out like this before. It's pricey to get one of these premium positions, specifically the quarterback. It's always going to be pricey. It's going to cost you one of a couple of different avenues. One, it's going to cost you a lot of money. If they're in free agency, which they rarely are, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Two, if you're going to trade for one, it's going to cost you a lot of draft picks. It's going to cost a lot of them. Think about the Deshaun Watson trade, and he hasn't been nearly as good as they would expect. But think about the trades when you have to go get a quarterback, even if you want to trade up for one, right? Look at the trades that people are talking about for Washington just to move up one pick. When you trade for a quarterback, whether it's in the draft or any other time, it's pricey. The third way and the cheapest way is taking them with the pick that you're already given. It's a premium pick. Number two overall is a very premium pick. But you're already there. You're already there. You have to pay it. 
but it's not as expensive as trading three first-rounders like you did for RG3. It's not as expensive as paying $60 million like the Cowboys are going to have to to keep Dak Prescott. The cheapest option and the best option right now is using that second overall pick to take your quarterback. Take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little more commanders, and coming up at 5.30, we'll jump back into the Nats. It's overtime on the fan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. 1067 Fan, it's overtime. Toby Altizer are with you till 7 o'clock. 800-636-1067. You want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor listener lines, you can also tweet at me at Toby underscore Altizer. We're going to get back into some Nationals talk coming up in about 10 minutes. I want to talk about some of the young guys on the Nationals team. We've talked plenty about the prospects, and we'll talk plenty more throughout spring training about the prospects. But I want to talk about the guys on the big league club. We'll talk more about them coming up in just a couple of minutes. But let's first get out to Mike in Haymarket. Mike, what's going on? Uh, hey, Toby. How you doing? Doing great, Mike. Good. Uh, so I'm listening and I'm hearing what you're saying. And, I, 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 you know, in many ways I can respect the, the perspective. But this team is nowhere near, like you said, ready to, to make a run at anything. And, frankly, what what is irritating is that we're all saying, take a quarterback at two, take a quarterback at two, but we're not realizing that we need two offensive tackles. We need two edge rushers. We need at least two corner, two cornerbacks that are able to step up. We need a safety or at least, for some reason, sign Cam Curl, but I have no idea – uh, why we're why he's gonna you know get a, a big contract? I never see him really doing anything, um, you know. So I I just see so many holes that this draft could fill and this free agency money could fill to set up. And I'm I'm saying this because I'm not a howler, but to set up a quarterback who showed potential, but down the stretch when he was asked to 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 throw 60, 70 times a game. Of course, his interception percentage is going to go up. Of course, the number is going to go up. That's obvious because the simple fact is, is the more you throw, the higher your risk of throwing an interception. It makes a ton of sense. And you reduce the number of sacks simply by upgrading your offensive line all across the board. And 
yes, you can do that in free agency. We've got plenty of money to do that. But I don't think the quarterback that you draft this year is going to do any better than what Sam Howell is going to do unless you address those other areas of need, which are pretty significant across across the board with this team. So I hear what you're saying, Mike, and here's where I disagree with that. I think you're fine in the assessment that the guys won't be, if they were put in the same situation that Sam Howell was put in last year, then yeah, they probably would struggle. But they're not going to be in the same situation. That's what $85 million in cap space is for. That's why you have two second-round picks, two third-round picks. You have premium picks to fix it. Now, you know, this is maybe a discussion we can have after free agency and after the draft if they didn't address these issues. Then, yeah, maybe that's something where you can say the quarterback's going to be put in a bad spot. But it's Adam Peters' job now. Obviously, the draft is a big thing, but free agency's coming up. Address some of these issues through that. Not saying they're going to get the premium top guys they're paying, you know, $25, $30 million a year for, but you've got the most cap space in the NFL. You can address a lot of these issues with some of that B-level talent that's going to be available, and then you draft the rest that you need. So uh, this idea that you're going to draft a quarterback and they're going to be put into the worst situation possible like Sam was in a lot of ways last season, I think is flawed because they're going to fix a lot of these things. Ton of sense, and I completely agree with you. But why not just take leave it with Howell and take Harrison Jr., who is the arguably the best prospect in this draft, and you roll with Dotson, Harrison Jr., and and Terry McLaurin, along with a competent quarterback who could possibly do the same thing. Because we obviously know that the draft is a crapshoot, and that if you take if if you're taking May or Daniels, you're like you're not really under, sure what you're getting other than what you see on college game tape. And at least with Sam Howell, you know that he's played in the NFL for 17 games, and so you can at least understand that, okay, well, this is what we got. This is where we need to improve. Let's see what we can do with this instead of having to go all in on a new quarterback, new system, all this all the other stuff. So, Just kind of my opinion. I understand what you're talking about. You know, well, real, as far real quick, as, hang here with me, Mike. Yeah. Um, next year's quarterback class isn't as good as this year's quarterback class, so that's why I would take a quarterback. You're drafting number two overall. And you have, you know, three top tier quarterbacks by consensus that are available. I'd take one of those guys. And the thing that worries me is what happens if you keep building up the roster and you just never have a chance to get the quarterback? Because then it's going to cost a whole lot and things can go wrong. Like, look at what happened with the Jets and they had to go get Aaron Rodgers and they're going to have him for what? Another year? Like, he, he's been injured. They had to give up stuff. Look at what happened with the Browns. They felt like they had a good roster. Look what they did to get. Deshaun Watson, like it's not easy to get the quarterback. It's a lot easier to find uh, maybe a tackle or it's a lot easier to maybe find a corner or another receiver or a tight end or a defensive end in a later round or in free agency than it is to find that quarterback. And I'm not saying the hit rate at number two overall is all that high, but that doesn't mean that you don't take the pick and take a chance at it because if you do hit it, it fixes everything else. So I think that you're in a spot where you take the quarterback Maybe the rest of the roster isn't perfect, but like we've talked about, they're not winning the Super Bowl next year, so I don't need the roster to be perfect next year. I want to put the quarterback in the best position possible, so I'm going to get an offensive tackle. I'm going to get another offensive lineman, whether it's a guard or a center, maybe another tackle. I'm going to try to get him a competent tight end. I'm going to try to get him a third receiving option, and maybe I don't spend as much on the defense. 
But this team isn't competing next year. But doesn't mean you pass on quarterback now because if it takes a year or two for the quarterback to develop, then in two, three years' time, maybe that guy's ready to make a playoff run then. But this obviously the same could be said for Howell, and we could go you know back and forth uh, you know on this. Sure. And and the other reason why I say that is simply because Howell, when he had his you know UNC good team, he was obviously projected to be you know number one pick overall in the draft that he was coming out at, and a lot of people tend to say, well, oh, you know, thirty-two teams passed on him up until the fifth round. Well, you're that's true, but the simple fact is is that thirty-two teams also were projecting him to be first overall along with a lot of college scouts and stuff. So I'm just saying I'm not a howler. I just say whatever is best for the team works, and that's fine with me. I just think there's better uh, plays available at two. I would love to see a, a, a trade back to maybe uh, not six with the Giants, but maybe seven with the Titans or eight at, with Atlanta and get a couple of extra picks because they may want a Jaden Daniels or they may want a Joe Alt meaning the Titans. So I think there's options there. And it's just, it's more or less what's the best option that we can get moving forward. Yes. I'm, I'm a draft guru. I, 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 I'm scored on the huddle. You know, I analyze these things up and down and I'm trying to just wrap my head around what's the best position for what Washington needs to do in order to become a better team um, and, and have the Josh Harris group look successful as opposed to what, you know, has happened over the last 25 years. So anyway, I'm going on and on about this, but, and we could go in circles. I'm not going to yeah. argue with you yeah. about, uh, you know, a lot of this and, sure. you know, could certainly take this to a different conversation way, you know, in, in terms of, Hey, well, let's go with Bo Nix or Michael Penix, but I don't like Penix and I don't like McCarthy at all. I like Bo Nix, but again, you know, like I said, we can well, go in if circles. You're, if so. you're going Bo Nix, yeah, I'm just sticking with Sam Howell. Mike, I appreciate the phone call, man. Yeah, I think he brings up some good points. And I'm still not fully out on Sam Howell, but he's not starting for Washington next year. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think that we saw that there are plenty of flaws with Sam Howell's game, which is fine. Like I said, anybody's going to have flaws. Even the guys coming out in the draft that I really like are going to have flaws. But I think we see his ceiling He's not a top 10 quarterback. I like Sam. I thought maybe he could be, but we've watched 17 games of him. And even in a new offense, maybe some things change. But, uh, you know, what's what's his best? He's the 16th to 20th best quarterback in the league. And that's fine. You can win games with that. I'm not trying to just win games, though. I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. I want to get a top five type talent. So the idea of sticking with Howell is fine. But look at what teams do all the time to upgrade the quarterback position when they're already in a good spot. Look at what the Rams did. They were in a good spot, right? McVay had gotten them to a Super Bowl. They had a lot of talent. They wanted to upgrade the quarterback position. They traded their quarterback away because they wanted to get a different one, and they won a Super Bowl because they upgraded the quarterback position. So you've got a chance to upgrade that position. You do it, and they're in a spot to do it without having to give up anything because that's the other part of this. You know, as much as you might want to acquire extra assets— Think about it now. You trade down from two to eight. You get a bunch of picks. What happens, you know, say two years from now, not even next year's draft, because I don't think it's a great quarterback class, but say the year after that is a great quarterback class that you like somebody. You're just going to give those picks right back in another way to trade up because maybe you're a better team because you've built stuff up. Like I said, the the example for Washington is they picked number two and took Chase Young, and we're not going to talk about the pick, just the fact that they picked number two overall one year. The next year they picked 19th. So you're not guaranteed to pick second overall again. 
If you knew you were going to pick in the top five again next year, then fine, we can have this discussion. You don't know that. We didn't know they were going to pick in the top two of this year's draft until everything finally settled after week 18. We thought they were going to pick eighth, and then we'd have a different discussion then. But they're picking second. You're in a prime position to take the quarterback. You do it then. Let's take a break from the Commander's Talk as we lead up to Nats Spring Training Live. We're going to get into some Nationals Talk. C.J. Abrams, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Caber Ruiz. What's the next step for those guys? We'll talk about it next here on The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back. 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you till 7 o'clock. Then we'll toss it to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler down in West Palm Beach for Nat Spring Training Live. They'll be joined by Stone Garrett and DJ Hurst tonight. So make sure you keep it tuned right here to The Fan all night long. And let's get back into some Nationals talk before we toss it to them coming up at 7 o'clock. Looking at the top guys on the roster that you're excited about. Right, the young guys that are already with the big league club, CJ Abrams, Kaber Ruiz, Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, kind of the guys last year that you turned on the television or you checked the box scores and you look for these guys first, right? You you cared when it was a gray day. You cared when it was a gore day, when one of those guys was on the hill. You're checking to see how CJ did or Kaber Ruiz did. You know, maybe some of the other guys you're checking as well, but mostly these young guys that look like they'll be part of the team going forward and look like they'll be maybe some of the building blocks for the team, hopefully when they're a playoff team once again in a couple of years. So let's start with Josiah Gray. He's going to be on the bump tomorrow for the team. We'll start with Josiah Gray. Last year, pitched in 30 games. He was 8-13 and 13 as a, in record, 159 innings, 391 ERA, 146 whip, 143 strikeouts, and 80 walks. So some of the things that I want to see from Josiah Gray this year to take the next step. Josiah is such a fun pitcher to watch because it seems like he has to battle in every outing. And as fun as it is, I'm sure it's incredibly stressful for him on the hill. You know, seeing him find ways to get out of jams is incredible. But I want to see him stop putting himself in those jams by not helping himself out. You know, if he's giving up weak contact, he's giving up hits, whatever, right? Keep the ball in the ballpark, number one. But stop putting yourself in jams by walking people. He walked so many guys last year. His walk percentage was 11.5%, which is in the 12th percentile of all of Major League Baseball. That's bad. Stop walking, guys. A 146 whip. Usually when you see a 146 whip, you don't see a 391 ERA. You see it much, much higher. So if he can find a way to limit the walks, he doesn't have the best stuff, but I think he can keep things working. I think he can get things to work. He's just got to stop walking, guys. And that's why I thought it was so funny. So many people were freaking out about the the sign that Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo had put up in spring training that Andrew Golden tweeted out. And it was a sign for the pitchers when the catchers, pitchers and catchers reported that said, I don't care how fast you throw a ball for. 
So many people were freaking out about that. Blah, 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 blah this, you, you don't care about the analytics, whatever. I, I don't think it means any of that. I think it means stop walking people. <laughs> I think it means throw pitches in the zone and stop walking dudes. And Josiah Gray was one of those dudes. 143Ks is awesome. 80 walks is not. An 11 and a half walk percentage is not good. So I need to see him stop putting himself into jams by walking people. And then the next thing for him, because we saw him take a big step last year in the first half, he was the Nationals representative as an all-star, use what's working. So last year he was able to keep the ball in the ballpark, which was a big step for him. So now continue to limit that hard contact. Last year, average exit velo of all pitchers in Major League Baseball, he was in the 78th percentile at 87.6 miles per hour. That's great. Keep the velo down. Hard hit percentage was in the 66th percentile at 36.7%. So he wasn't giving up as much hard contact. Keep limiting that. Don't focus on the strikeouts. You know, he's in the 31st percentile in strikeout percentage, 20.5%. So that's fine. But he's not a strikeout pitcher. So use what is working. Limit the hard contact. His stuff to me is very subtle. When you watch Mackenzie Gore, you can see his stuff is nasty. You can see his curveball. You can see his slider. I don't know how it hit that. And then you watch Josiah Gray, and he'll throw a cutter, and you're like, how's that listed as a cutter? It didn't move a whole lot. Or even a slider. Like, that didn't move as much as you'd expect a slider to move. His stuff is very subtle. So he's going to give up hits. He's going to give up soft contact. He's not going to strike out people like you once saw with Scherzer and Strauss. But use whatever is working. If you look at last year for Josiah Gray, this dude threw so many different pitches. He threw a slider, which was a good pitch. He threw a cutter. He threw a sinker. He threw a four-seamer, which is really struggled with. He threw a curve. He threw a sweeper. He threw a changeup. He threw a lot of different pitches. So find what's working, whether it's you know just focusing on one pitch in an outing, whether it's working with Jim Hickey in the offseason now and figuring out a, a good pitch mix of three or four pitches that he can kind of turn into his bread and butter. Uh, whatever it is, Find a couple pitches that work and do what it does and let it work. Whether it's in the outing, whether it's in the offseason, just find what's working and go with it. He's never going to be the elite pitcher. That's why I think that it's crazy to think that some people are looking at him as the ace. He's not really ace material. To me, he's a, a three, somewhere around there. Maybe he could be a two. But either way, he's a really solid young pitcher. Last year, the Nationals representative as an all-star, which was a big step for him. If he's going to take the next step for me, the big thing for him is stop walking dudes. Try to limit the walk rates, and I think you'll see a lot more success from Josiah Gray. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll look at his counterpart, Mackenzie Gore. What does he need to do to take the next step? We'll talk about it next here on The Fan. The fan, it's overtime. Toby Altizer with you till 7 o'clock. Then we'll turn it over to Charlie and Dave down in West Palm Beach for Nat Spring Training Live. Joined by DJ Hers and Stone Garrett tonight. So keep it tuned right here to the fan. Keeping the Nats talk going right now. We talked about Josiah Gray, what I want to see from him to take that next step. Mackenzie Gore is next. And I'm excited about Mackenzie Gore today. He pitched well in the first inning, gave up a run in the second, but I liked most that he threw 26 pitches today and 20 of them were strikes. I like the fact that he was a little more pitch efficient. You don't like giving up the one run, but again, first time out, you like a solid outing from him in his first time out in spring training. 
Last year, started 27 games, 136 and a third innings pitched, a 442 ERA, 140 whip, 151 strikeouts to 57 walks. The big thing for me with him is the mental side of things because the stuff is pretty clearly dominant if you watch him. If you just watch what he's able to do against really good hitters, the stuff is there. We're going to get into that more in just a second. But the number one thing for me with Mackenzie Gore, if he's going to take that next step, he's got to work on the mental game. And it's not necessarily that he's just constantly frustrated. Whatever it may be, he's got to be able to calm down when the mistakes happen. You know, you watch him last year, and it could be, say, a 1-0 count, and he tries to throw a slider, and it doesn't hit his spot, and he's pounding his thigh, and that's fine. You love the fact that he cares so much. But you've got to be able to channel that. You know, you give up a, a base hit. You, you you can't just all of a sudden let that compound into giving up more base hits. He talked with Grant and Danny last year when he was on their show and said, i got to stop giving up these touchdowns. <laughs> you know, big, bad innings. And he would have a bunch of those. And so he's got to find a way to... Work past these things. Just because you give up a run in the second inning doesn't mean you're going to have a bad outing. Just because you because you give up two runs in the third inning doesn't mean it's a bad outing. And too many times he would let things compound, and all of a sudden you just knew when things started to spiral out of control, it was just going to get really, really bad, and he might not even make it out of that inning. But I think if he can fix some of that stuff and channel it into aggressiveness to the next hitter and making sure that he locks in on the next guy, then I think he can fix all this stuff. So working on that mental game for me is the number one thing with Mackenzie Gore. Can he take that next step? Last year, there was even a time where a mistake had happened in the inning, whether it was a hit. I can't remember exactly what it was. And then the next hitter hits a ball to the first baseman, and he doesn't cover first base because he was so focused on what happened previously. You've got to be on to the next pitch. You've got to move on. So... I think the mental game for him is the big thing for him to take that next step because the stuff is truly there. And that's the next thing for me is trust his stuff. Trust your stuff. He's got it. He needs to work in the zone. Last year, his walk percentage was 9.8%, which was in the 29th percentile in Major League Baseball. He's got good stuff. He does. His strikeout percentage last year was 25.9%, which was 69th percentile in the league. His whiff percentage was 27.9%, which was 64th percentile in the league. So that shows you his stuff is good enough. And even if you don't look at the numbers and you just want to use the eye test, go back and watch his first outing last year against the Braves, and he struck out Austin Riley and Matt Olson twice. This guy has great stuff. He just needs to trust it. And sometimes he tries to be a little bit too perfect with things, to go along with the mental side of things, where things might spiral out of control. Now he's trying to be a little bit too perfect. He's trying to aim pitches, and he's trying to get it to the perfect, perfect spot. No, let your stuff work. Not saying you don't have to have command. Not saying he doesn't need to hit his quadrant or hit where they're trying to go. But trust your stuff a little bit. You've got great stuff. Trust it to get it done. Don't try to be too, too fine. You know, instead of saying, I'm going to paint this perfectly on the corner, give yourself a little leeway until you get to that point where you're perfectly able to place it on the corner. Those sorts of things he's just got to work on. Don't try to be too, too fine. When you've got the stuff, you don't have to be like JoJo, where JoJo has to be a little bit more fine because he doesn't have the stuff to beat guys at times. 
Mackenzie does. And if you got something working, just trust it and let it go. A couple more things with him. Don't run up your own pitch count. That's what I was talking about today. 26 pitches, 20 strikes. Too many times last year with him, he wasn't getting through more than five innings. Don't run it up yourself, whether it's trying to be too fine, right? If it's a one-two count, don't try to be too fine there. Work ahead of the hitters and try to finish them off with your stuff. Let it work. Don't run up your own pitch count by throwing extra pitches you don't need to. And obviously that comes with walking guys and those various things. But don't run up your own pitch count. Take yourself out of the game. And then regain his effectiveness of the fastball. I think that's a big thing for him this year. His fastball in 2022 had a run value of 5. The higher the number, the better. Had a run value of 5. Last year was a minus 3. And I thought at times last year, you'd see his fastball working really well. You know, that Atlanta game, I went back and watched some of that. His first outing of the year against the Atlanta Braves. And he struck out Austin Riley and Matt Olson twice each. And that fastball was beating them. That fastball was really good. Today, he was throwing it around 96 miles an hour. It looks like it's going to be effective again this year. Get back to having that effectiveness with the fastball. Because the other stuff is good. But if he can work off the fastball and throw that up in the zone and get live in the zone with the fastball, I think people are going to struggle with it. It seems like it plays a little bit up compared to the 95, 96 he usually sat at. But I think he's got great stuff. And if there's a guy that's on the current roster that I'm maybe most excited about, it's got to be Mackenzie Gore. I think you look at the stuff that he has when you go out there and watch his ability to strike out hitters, his ability to make guys look foolish, even the really good hitters in the league, they kind of let you know. You know, you talk about this all the time with pitchers and and pitching coaches. You hear it from them, and the hitters kind of let you know how a guy's looking. When you watch some of these hitters step into the box against Mackenzie Gore, they don't have comfortable at-bats. They're not sitting in there confident that they're going to do damage against this guy, and I think that he has the stuff to be an ace. I don't know if it's a one. I don't know if it's just maybe a two, but I think he's got the type of stuff to be a front-line starter for the Nationals, and not just a front-line starter for the Nationals when they're only winning 71 games, but I think a front-line type starter for the Nationals when they're getting back into playoff contention. So I think for Mackenzie Gore, the mental side is the biggest thing, but he's got the stuff to do this. So find a way to get past the mistakes when they happen. You know, some of the best outings for guys, honestly, you know, the the vintage ones are fun to watch, right? A Strasburg striking out 14 in his debut, not giving up a lot of runs. Like, that stuff's fun. A shutout, those things are fun. But some of the most impressive outings, I think back to Max Scherzer, some of his most impressive outings were when you saw he clearly didn't have it that day. And maybe he gave up two or three runs in the first inning or two, and he would gut it out to get you through six innings, maybe only strike out five, six, seven batters, but he'd keep the team in the ball game. That's what Mackenzie Gore needs to work on. Because when he's good, he's awesome. But when he's bad, he's really bad. Try to be a little more consistent and work on that mental side of things. And even when things aren't going your way, battle through it. And if you battle through it, I think sometimes you'll find that you can be better than even you expect. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to continue going through this. We'll shift over to the hitting side of things. I want to talk about Cabert Ruiz, and I want to talk about C.J. Abrams. What's the next step for those guys, as well as I want to talk about Nat's ownership. I don't think they're on the clock just yet, but I think next year, if they don't open up the checkbooks, they're going to draw the ire of a lot of fans. We'll talk about that in the final hour of Overtime on the Fan coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 